0: So I had a realization just a few minutes ago. For years, I have been the weird guy in the room because the color of my skin was different, I was taller, and my accent was horrible. Now I'm coming back to my home country after being appointed missionary to Indonesia for 19 years and I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself, I think I'm still the weird guy in the room. Because I kind of feel a little out of touch with culture. I'm not cool anymore. I have three kids attending school, hopefully here today. So my days of being cool are probably gone. But I'm looking at this, and I'm like, okay, being the weird guy, I'm going to take what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, 4 to heart, and I'm going to paraphrase. He said... When I came to you, I came not with wiser, persuasive words. Well, okay, I'm coming, and I may not be completely relevant or using hip language, okay? But I pray with all my heart that what I share this morning will come with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. That your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Because we need that in this day and this age. If you've not met me before, my name is Jonathan Winter. Uh, We've just moved here. We are so excited to be part of what God is doing at NCU right now. Things seem crazy, but God is getting ready to do some amazing things at this university, and it's going to carry around the world. I believe that with 100% of my heart. And we get to be a part of this school as the directors of Antioch. Now, if you don't know what the Antioch Initiative is, yeah, you're not the only one. But let me just put it together in a nutshell. We believe that Jesus wants every person on the planet to know who he is. We believe that God's plan is for every people group around the world to hear the good news. And so... My primary job is to instill that in you, to give you a heart and a passion for even the hard places historically where the gospel's been really hard to get into. Because I believe that in this day and age, God is going to carry the gospel to those places. And here's the other thing I believe in you. The God's purpose and plan is to use you and I, normal people, to be the ones to carry that gospel message everywhere we go. And so we invest in you and, and disciple you and help you to become disciple makers wherever God's going to take you in this life. This morning, I'm going to be sharing something that... Uh, It's always a crazy thing when you start asking as a preacher um, other people what your life themes are and I asked my kids this one day and it kind of shocked me some of the answers they gave but one of the life themes that they spoke to me was actually they were good things okay but one of the life themes that they spoke was actually what I'm gonna share with you this morning in Romans chapter 10 It says in verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you believe that? Can I get a real strong amen? Amen. Because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't matter where they are or what background they're coming for or how inaccessible they have historically been. Everyone. Get that deep in your heart. Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. That's a quote from Isaiah that we just heard from. And when Isaiah quoted it, he was talking about the messenger who would come with the good news to save the world. Paul changes it just a little bit here, and he turns the singular into a plural. And this is something that Paul is going to build on throughout the theme that he's going through in Romans. And I'm just going to give you a glimpse of where he ends up. Two chapters later, he starts talking about the body of Christ and how we all have gifts and talents and we're different parts of that body. But as we work together, we achieve the goals and we achieve the purpose for which he's called us to. Isn't that cool? Pat Haji had been searching for God his entire life. As a boy, he memorized prayers and portions of the Quran in a language he didn't speak or understand. As he grew, he was devout in his prayers. The month-long fast of Ramadan would come, and he was very dedicated. The yearly sacrifice times would come, and he was there. As he grew older, he even scrimped and saved his little meager salary so that he could be included in the pilgrimage to Mecca. He became a respected elder and religious leader in his community. But as he grew older, there was this hunger for something more that still hadn't been satisfied. He had obeyed. He had accomplished. He had done all of the things that his religion was asking him to do. But there was still something deeper that he was yearning for. And an earthquake hit his island. Now, understand, I do not believe that God sends these disasters. We live in a world that has been corrupted by sin. But I will tell you, time and time again, I have seen where the enemy intends things for evil, and God doesn't let it go to waste. God uses every opportunity to impact people's lives. So when this earthquake hit, it became the platform, the access, the moment for a young couple to come into Pahaji's village. And they came in, and they weren't helping trying to get anything. They weren't trying to come up with some scheme or, or, or do anything or take anything for themselves. They simply helped people and had a heart and a passion and a love and a joy and a peace that when Pahaji saw them and he met them, it just, I have to know them. quietly met with them, asked, what is it? They began to, to get together with he and his family and just simply read scripture together, discover who God really says he is in his word. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Time and time again, we've discovered that in our ministry, the number one reason that people come to know Jesus is because they get into God's word. You're looking for God's direction and his answers this morning? It's the same kind of concept, okay? He's spoken who he is and his plans in the clearest form in his word. But we've also discovered that if there is not a person in their lives to introduce who God is, to introduce the scriptures, it doesn't happen. That's what this passage in Romans is talking about. Yes, it's a message of salvation. It's a message that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. But this passage in Romans, while confirming God's plan for salvation, also explains the plan for how it's going to be accomplished. No one can believe if they, or nobody can call on Jesus if they don't believe in him. And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? How can they hear about him if no one tells them? And how can they tell them unless they are sent? It's the whole message and strategy in a nutshell. God's plan for reaching the nations is you. It's by our testimony, our witness, our sharing the gospel through both words and actions that others come to believe in Jesus. I remember when I was a a teenager, my pastor said, you are the only gospel some people will ever read. And what he was saying was that what Jesus said in Matthew 5 That you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that can't be hidden. No one puts the lights, no one puts lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand so it gives light to everyone in the room. But the honest truth is, we have to ask ourselves as we're going through life, how bright's that light? I, I, I love chapel. Just the other day, yesterday, on mission but out of alignment. How bright is the light that we're walking around with? This is why we invest our time, our talent, and resources in raising up and training disciple makers, helping develop their skills. So that they can use both the spiritual gifts, the physical talents and interests. That through the leading of the Holy Spirit, those things that make up who you are become your access. We're talking about access for people to hear the gospel, access for relationship, access for ministry. But God's first moment and first plan for access is literally you and I. It's not just a select few, it's not just a couple of folks who are called, but it's every one of us. I have a friend that shared his calling with me. He was 12 years old and standing in a field in North Dakota and the Lord spoke to him and called him to be a farmer. Woohoo, I didn't get a name in there. But God called him to be a farmer that would be different. He called him to be a farmer that would share the light of Jesus through everything he did. And so so for the last 35 years, God has been blessing him as a farmer. He has been impacting his local community. He's been impacting farmers that are next door to him. He's been supporting missions, sending missions, and even getting involved in missions by using his skills and talents and knowledge as a farmer, partnering with missionaries in Russia, teaching farmers how to be better farmers. Crazy, yeah? That's what happens when you take a normal job and you say, I am here with a purpose to accomplish. A couple of friends of mine in Indonesia, Andy and Becky. Normal folks. You know... I'm just going to throw this out there. It wasn't in my notes, but I've been amazed by what God does through absolutely normal and even sometimes the people that we don't see as normal. I know a guy that didn't graduate elementary school, has nine teeth, and is overseeing over 1,200 house churches that were birthed through what he did. Don't come to me and say, oh, I don't think I'm, I'm able to do this, or God's equipped me. Andy and Becky, though, they're like the most perfect young couple that you can imagine. If you're a pastor, these are the folks you're looking for. They're faithful. They're steady. They're strong. They were tithers. And one day they decided to join a disciple-making workshop. Yeah, just a seminar, we want to be able to evangelize, we want to share our faith more. And God shook them up. They came in and they just saw that, you know, Scripture lays out some real simple strategies that if you and I just try to obey it and just put it into daily life practice, let's see what happens. Andy was a mechanic, a motorcycle mechanic. There are more motorcycles than people in Indonesia, I'm pretty sure. Sure. Driving a car, I felt like I was the hive with bees flying all around. But Andy realized that he has opportunities, that he could go and just fix people's motorcycle or he could sit there and as he's fixing it and doing it with all that he has and everything for Christ, he could also dialogue with the people watching him do it. And so they began to interact and he began to get into these God conversations while he's fixing mufflers. His wife, Becky, was an amazing cook, so she had what we call a, call a warung. It's like a food truck kind of idea that every night you set up this little stand and, and people come to eat because it's cheap enough that, why, hey, why cook? But she was a great cook, and it's kind of like this hibachi style where she's cooking, the tables are there, and so she realized that I can just cook and serve people or I can cook, serve people, and engage in their lives. And the next thing you know, God conversations start up. And within three months, they had 12 discovery groups with Muslims opening up scripture and saying, who is God? And how do I apply this to my life? Normal people who are just taking the normal interactions, the access that God has given them and launching it. Their story didn't finish up. There. About a year later, they call me up and they're like, I think they were actually looking for the opposite answer that I gave, but they called me up and they're like, hey, we feel like God is telling us to move to this other city. There's no churches there, there's no community. We'll be all alone there. We've got all this great stuff happening. And honestly, I think they wanted me to say, no, God's blessing your ministry and your family. You know, you've got a home, you've got, you know, all these things. And I said, you know, I think you're right. I think God is calling you. And they transplanted their family to this community where they were all on their own. They opened up a me- little mechanic shop with a restaurant built in. And they just kept doing what they were doing. Last time I talked to them, they were seeing what we call third generation growth. That means that they were sharing their faith and making disciples and groups were coming together and studying scriptures and they were finding Jesus and then that group of disciples was making another group of disciples and that group of disciples found Jesus and they began making other groups of disciples and I I, I, I haven't gotten to talk to him for a little while I'm like the next time we get to talk I can't imagine what God's doing Why do we tell these stories? Because I look across the student body and across this campus every day and I'm thinking to myself, every one of you has unique giftings, talents, and abilities. And I know you've heard that you're special way too often. You are. But God will even use the weirdness in you if you'll let him. But if you decide not to let him, That's an option, too. How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who are willing to say, Lord, wherever you lead, I'll follow. When I was seven years old, I said, Lord, I don't want to be a missionary in Nepal. When we graduated Bible college, God's greatest, the the, the roadblock I had to get through was that we actually were fundraising to go to Nepal. I've never been to Nepal. But God uses these things to work on our hearts, to prepare us for the moments that he is preparing us for. Don't let your fears, don't let your inabilities stand between you and me, you being faithful. It starts right now. Who are your disciples? Who are your disciples? Father in heaven, we thank you so much. We thank you because you are awesome. You are great. And just like we were singing just a few minutes ago, your train fills the temple. You have won the battles. We look at the world and the situations and the places that we're still trying to take the gospel to. And we just get excited because we know your track record. We know that you're able, that you are God, and that you are faithful. But this morning, Lord... I pray that you'll grab hold of our hearts. Lord, help us realize that before individuals who desperately need you are going to be able to call on you and be saved, that we're the ones who have to step up Lord, that we're the ones who have to say, Lord, here am I, send me. That we're the ones who decide that we're not just going to be the spectator Christians because you didn't design a kingdom for spectators. But Lord, help us to get all in. That no matter where we go, that we will be making disciples so that all nations will know you. Lord, we ask this in your precious name. Lord, do the work in us.